Disclaimer. All views expressed on this podcast represent the host and his guest, and not the companies or agencies they are associated with. This is Tony's Game Lounge, a weekly podcast that covers news throughout the gaming industry and a variety of topics. Here's your host for the show, Tony Erickson. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Tony's Game Lounge. I'm your host, as always, Tony Erickson, and joining me... We have a brand new first-timer guest who we've actually talked about on this podcast before. If you remember back when we were covering the Hero Story Tournament with Don, we talked about this legendary speedrunner who basically landed his own skip five times in the tournament. We have Hex Speedruns, the creator of Hex Skip. Hello. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. Hey, I'm glad you're here, man. How you doing? How how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I've been... At college, first year, keeping myself prioritized, been making some good uh, speedrunning progress, life progress, so can't complain at all. Hell yeah, dude. Love to hear that. And because you're brand new here, we get to play some interrogations, so oh people get to know you a little better. So uh, I need you to give me your favorite video game, video game character, and video game soundtrack. Okay, well, the first one's, uh, that's a no-brainer. My favorite game is uh, the original Ace Attorney, uh, the first game. I actually recently played it around a couple months ago, and it was my friend who, like, was bugging me to get me to play it. And in my head, I'm like, I'm not going to enjoy this at all. I played the first case, and I instantly just wanted to keep on playing. Uh, It was just the best game that I've played. The story, the characters, just everything, like, made me obsessed with it. Nice. I still need to play the Ace Attorney games, and I probably will, because I hear that they're basically very similar to Danganronpa, and I've played most of the Danganronpa games. Yeah, they're very, very similar. Uh, My friend who's played pretty much all of the games in that genre told me that if I liked Ace Attorney, I'd like Danganronpa. I haven't tried it yet, so maybe that's something for me down the line, but he definitely was right about Ace Attorney. Yes. Okay. So if Ace Attorney's your favorite game, who's your favorite game character? That's tough. Um, I haven't really thought about that too much, but honestly, my favorite character would probably be Miles Edgeworth. That's kind of the antagonist mm-hmm. in Ace Attorney, just because the kind of the character building and the lore behind him is actually really interesting. Yes, Mr. Edgy Edgeworth himself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and what about uh, Soundtrack? See, for me, I'm also a music person, so I kind of judge video game music semi-harshly. Okay. But um, I got to say the game that I like has the best soundtrack for me would probably have to be um, Super Smash Bros. Brawl just because of the subspace emissary because the amount of gems that are in that game mode is just – you can barely count on like two hands how many gems are in that that campaign alone, let alone the entire game. Yeah. It did have some really good uh, remixes Brawl did, definitely. And especially like its original music that I produced as well. Top tier. And I, I really, and the Subspace Emissary is just fun to play too. It's probably the most fun I've had in Smash besides tournaments, which we'll get into later. Yes, we are going to be talking a bit about those a bit later. Um, and before we do anything else, we got to jump into our headline of the week. And we have a big one uh, because uh, I completely forgot that it was happening on this day, even though we did report on it a while back. But the Animal Crossing Direct 
was uh, on October 15th this past Friday. And I think it kind of, everyone was like, oh yeah, they're just going to announce the roost. Probably some quality of life changes, yada, yada, yada. Nothing too crazy. And then they just drop, they're like, hey, we're revamping the entire game and basically making it a brand new game. And everyone's like, wait, what? <laughs> um, so to go over kind of everything real quick, uh, the Roost and Brewster, they're coming back. That was what was teased. Uh, so you can enjoy some coffee. You can invite amiibo cards to have coffee with you. You can sometimes get special villagers to L visit. Uh, your regular villagers can visit and you can just enjoy a cup of joe. Cap'n is returning and he'll sometimes be at your pier. And uh, you can take a boat ride to Mystery Islands to get brand new flora, fauna, and a bunch of other stuff. Harv's Island is getting a upgrade where instead of just being a place to take photos, which, I mean, if you're into that, that's really all that it was good for. But now you can uh, build and develop the Traveling Merchant's permanent shops. So uh, Sahara, Kix, Red, uh, Leaf... And uh, Katrina will also start appearing to do your daily fortunes. Tortimer is also going to be there, so that's kind of interesting to see what he his role is. As for some stuff on the main island that's just getting added, um, you can now do group stretching in the plaza, <laughs> which that, that one's funny to me because it's like oh, that's a it's a very Japanese thing um, because a lot of uh, traditional Japanese workplaces still do morning stretches to start their day. And it's very much, very that that much similar. They they like, and it uses motion controls too to stretch with them. And I'm like, oh god. But like for the younger audience, that's actually kind of good. I'm like, actually, okay, you know what? There's a good thing, but it's also just very Japan that edition, in my opinion. I actually kind of like that. That's really that's wholesome. The group stretching. There he is. The whole game is wholesome to begin with. Yeah, one of my friends is really, really, like, obsessed with Animal Crossing, so I, I didn't even know the direct was happening because while I like Animal Crossing, I never really got too far into it, so my friend was over here spamming my phone, and I woke up, I'm like, wait, there was a direct? But reading through the direct, they really revamped a lot of this game. Yeah. It's, it's really cool to see. Yep. Uh, Ordinance is returning from New Leaf. If you played New Leaf, Ordinance was, um, or if you haven't played New Leaf, Ordinance was essentially, hey, it's four different things it's like you can beautify your island you can have your villagers wake up more early if you're playing in the morning a lot more evening if you play the game later in the day and there was one more i don't remember but those are coming back storage upgrades which is i'm like that's kind of what i was expecting from the uh update originally uh but more new house exterior options uh a new big thing cooking you can now, and I predicted this back when they added pumpkins in the fall update, you can now fucking grow vegetables and make <laughs> food recipes. They're making, they've added a farm aspect to this now. So that's fucking, I, I love that. That is an interesting feature. I like that a lot. Uh, more games are starting to add cooking now that I think about it. It's kind of, I don't know if they're like trying to appeal to more of like a casual audience, but that that's pretty cool. It really is. It's also a first for the franchise, I believe. I mean, it's, this game has done a lot of firsts for a lot of it. Um, we have ceiling decor getting added, some new lighting, and you can now do accent wallpapers. So if you want, instead of having a wallpaper surround all four walls of the room, you can have one or two walls, a different wallpaper instead, which is really cool. You can now increase your number of bridges and inclines to 10 each. They've also added new fences, new furniture, including what everybody's going crazy for. The froggy chair is back. 
What's the lore behind that? I, I see that all over Twitter. It's it's so, crazy. From what I know, it's like people just like love the froggy chair because of its design. It's just like a stupid design. It's a frog chair, and people loved it. And it's been like a staple since I want to say the original game, but I'm not. Don't quote me on that. And then it wasn't in New Horizons. People were kind of sad. And then when they people saw it in the trailer, they're like, "It's back." <laughs> That's awesome. I'm happy for them. Yeah. I'm happy for the, the froggy chair stands. They get the their, froggy chair their, stands. Their prize. Exactly. Um, we also are getting a placeable shed so that way you can access and store things in your storage system outside instead of having to go inside your house. You can also place an ATM outside instead of having to go to the town services. The camera is getting an upgrade, allowing you to go into a first person mode with the camera to take even better pictures. A new Island Life 101 app is getting added to you, the Nook phone, which is more of just like a tips page. Uh, 12 new KK songs. Gyroids are returning, which is another huge thing that was back in New Leaf and all the other prior games where it, after it rained, you could dig up gyroids. But they're even they're expanding on that, and they're also like, hey, you can also, if you get a gyroid fragment, you can replant it, water it, and it'll grow into a gyroid. Uh, which is even cooler before, so they're adding those back. And villagers are also able to invite you to their houses and sometimes might visit you in your house, uh, which was another thing back in the old games that they did a lot. And then they said, yeah, and this is the last major update. But wait. And this is all for free. This is all free that will be coming November 5th. And then they said, but wait, there's more. And they're adding paid dlc about 25 us dollars and adding paradise happy home paradise now if you've played the 3ds game animal crossing happy home designer we're essentially it's a sequel a game within a game where you can design vacation homes for a bunch of animals you can use amiibo cards to bring them or you can just recruit them like the original game you can build uh, services on the island and it's basically let your imagination run wild design these house and the interior decorator in you for the animal crossing world is back essentially lottie's returning from the game and it's even adding even more shit like partitions pillars leveled counters and you can also polish furniture for various effects as well and they ended this by saying also yeah so yes 25 bucks unless you decide to get the Nintendo Online Expansion Pass, in which case you get it for free. And uh, then they ended it by saying, oh yeah, also our Series 5 Amiibo cards, which is basically all the original villagers that were only in New Horizons, that those are finally coming out soon as well. And then it ended, and the world was shook by the amount of like, why didn't we get all of this sooner? Because the game maybe died a couple months ago to a lot of people. <laughs> This is a re I think this is a really awesome update for the Animal Crossing community because I didn't realize how much I didn't realize how much they added until we went over each segment like in depth. That's a lot of stuff. It is. It genuinely is. And this is I feel like this update, like for those people who have still been playing Animal Crossing, it gives them more to do and they're gonna be on it for more hours already. But this is also gonna bring back a lot of people who maybe put down the game a couple months ago and they're like, oh shit, this is what I liked about New Leaf. Like, they're bringing back everything that made New Leaf good and just basically turning New Horizons into New Leaf plus Happy Home Academy plus New Horizons. It's, it's huge. Like, legit. It's like a brand new game. They don't call it the 2.0 update for a reason. It's a 2.0 update, and it's uh, that for a reason. It's entirely revamped. 
<laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, I de- I was debating myself of whether or not I would uh, play it again come November 5th. But I'm like, no, I probably shouldn't because Pokemon's around the corner around, <laughs> in that time too. So uh, I gotta finish Lost Judgment first, and then uh, get ready for Pokemon. <laughs> And uh, that's our headline of the week. And with that, we're going to jump in now to our week in review. Covering news from the world of video games, TCG, and board games, this is the Week in Review. And this Week in Review, uh, taking a look at what came out last week, we had the Jackbox Party Pack 8 drop, as well as the Crisis Remastered Trilogy and NHL 22. And uh, gotta say, Party Pack 8... It's, it's a lot of fun. I did a little bit of playing that myself, and uh, it's got some good games on there. I'm sure the Emerald Discord's going to have a field day with that. Oh, yeah. Uh, we uh, did a little bit of... Uh, I did a little bit of a game night in my Discord server with a couple people. The best game on the pack is uh, the we- Giant Wheel of Enormous Proportions. <laughs> um, it's a trivia game, but it's also luck-based, the, the figuring out who wins. Oh really? It's basically you spin. A, it's basically you do trivia. You get panels that you put on the wheel, and you spin the wheel. And if it lands on your panel, you get points. If you get twenty thousand points, you have a chance to spin the winner's wheel. And if it lands on the the a win space on the winner's wheel, you win the game. Jackbox never disappoints. Jackbox never disappoints. You also have uh, games such as Drawful Animate, a sequel, to, a, another follow up to Drawful, where instead of one panel, you're drawing two, uh, and they animate each other a bit. Um, we have Pool Mine, which is their new cooperative, co competitive game, I guess, because it's cooperative, but also a bit competitive, where it's like you're in teams, as, but it's all right. Weapons Drawn, where you're a bunch of detectives and murderers, where you try to murder people and then figure out who murdered who uh, with the weapons that you guys all drew. Uh, and the little thing is like your calling card is hidden in the weapon, and... Uh, Everybody also brought a gift that also has their calling card in it, so it's like a deduction, social deduction type game with pictures. And well, I can't remember what the oh, and job job. That's that's the fifth one where you're applying for a job, but you're using words that people wrote down in prompts that they were given to make your application and hence your questions. So you can't use your own words. You're used. You're supplied with words that are given to you, and it's hilarious. That that one might be my favorite game, Job Jobs, because I can only imagine the insanity that goes on when uh, y- your fate is kind of determined by others and they choose what words you can use. I can only imagine the crazy combinations that can be formed. Those were that's what came out last week. Looking uh, at the video game news that happened, we finally got a price point for the Nintendo Switch Online expansion pass, and drum roll is uh, for a yearly plan. The 12-month plan, $49.99 for the individual and $79.99 for a family pack. So it's a huge jump, about $30 jump um, for the expansion pass. But the expansion pass does come with the Nintendo 64 Virtual Console, the Sega Genesis Virtual Console, and if you and free access to um, Happy Home Paradise. Honestly... I'm not too sure how to dictate like the fairness of that price because on the one hand that that is a, a lot like it it's a lot more than the original Nintendo Switch Online but yes. at the same time you get a lot of stuff. Yeah, you do get a lot of stuff N64 you do get and it's like pretty good N64 games. We get 6 Mario 64, Paper Mario, Sin and Punishment, a very 
very like a Japan only game, I believe, that's making its first like kind of debut in the West right now. Um, and a bunch of other games that they're going to be adding more, including Banjo Kazooie and a couple of others. So, and they're only going to add more as well. So, they might add hell if they add Donkey Kong Country 64 or Donkey Kong 64, I'm that might be when I finally decide to upgrade to the expansion pass because right now I don't think I will. Um, talking back on Banjo Kazooie, I think this is the first time Banjo's going to be on a Nintendo console in like decades. This is. That's pretty big. I mean, Banjo and Smash is technically Banjo on a well, Nintendo console. That's true. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's just really nice to see kind of like the Rareware yes. games coming back home. Yes, 100%. Absolutely. Um, in Pokemon 25 music news, Jay Balvin, the music artist, has a new music video featuring Pokemon like Pikachu and what people are saying stole the show, Hitmontop spinning on its head. So uh, that's also our third um, music video Pokemon-related thing because we now have Jay Balvin, Katy Perry, and Post Malone all do something with Pokemon and their music. In Diablo news, Diablo 2 servers, uh, they have some server issues and they've been addressed. And they're currently being worked on by Blizzard after a series of uh, some major incidents. And uh, it turns out it might be the original code uh, causing the issues with uh, the new code. As uh, the game is still built off of the original code of Diablo 2. In Sony news, Sony's now allowing people to sign up to receive a PlayStation 5. All you need is your PlayStation Network ID, and you could possibly be selected via email in November to get a PlayStation 5. Um, and it's still like a first-come, first-served, so if you do get selected, get on there quick and grab it before they're all gone. In some dropping update news, uh, ex-coach of the Las Vegas Raiders has been removed from Madden. It's not the first time they've ever had to remove uh somebody from their game they've yanked players out for bad acts in the past but this is the first time they've removed a coach entirely i kind of saw that one coming when i saw kind of the news story be released mm-hmm. um as long as they're like, consistent about it like every time something like this happens with the player that they're kind of removed i feel like uh, it was right or yeah. it, it was justified mm-hmm yeah, and they've done it in the past with multiple players, so this isn't, like, a first for them. It's a first for them in the fact that it's a coach. But still, it's like, if you do fucking shit, you get kicked. Yeah, I think they made the right call on this one. Yes. Uh, in some delayment news, Ubisoft has delayed the recently revealed Ghost Recon Frontline. Uh, they say that this delayment is going to be indefinite as the after the closed technical test happened. Because mostly also because they've received a lot of backlash from revealing the the game, and uh, yeah, people are not happy with uh, the Battle Royale Ghost Recon game. Uh, it's the Pokemon news. We did get like I, I want to say it was like according to reports like forty minutes of new gameplay for Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl, and we got some more details. Uh, the big one that I'm excited for: you can polish your badges again. So that's pretty dope. Um, you can also, uh, people are saying that mo- the big thing that's, ch- it's the core mechanics of the game. Uh, it'll feel a bit like, uh, sun and moon and ultra sun, ultra moon where, or back in those days, because that's what introduced, uh, the, sh- what shows what's effective against certain Pokemon in your moveset. So that's still nice. And the EXP share is back and it does affect all Pokemon. 
Um, I don't know whether or not it, you can turn it on or off, though. But it is back. How do you feel about the EXP share with how they changed it? Um, see, I'm not really a big Pokemon person, so you might have to explain a little bit on what ES- EXP share means. So basically, back in the old days of Pokemon, the EXP share was a hold item where if a Pokemon was holding it, they would gain experience even if they weren't in battle. Okay. In starting in, what was that? I want to say Sun and Moon or Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Uh, the experience share was an item that you could turn on or off, and if you turn it on, all Pokemon in your party... Oh, no, it started in X and Y. All Pokemon in your party would gain experience. Okay. And uh, you could still turn it on or off, but like starting in Sword and Shield, you could not turn it off. It was like a permanent on feature. Okay, well, that's... I don't know. I, I kind of feel like it was better when people had the option, um, because, I don't know, having everyone forced to have it on doesn't really seem like it would be good for every player but i mean it doesn't sound like it's a a terrible feature just i feel like it was better when you could choose whether to have it or not to yeah it's very much like a lot that's like the big thing of like having the the ability to have it turn on it on and off like is probably what i wish they still had for it because that way people who want to play the game on hard mode can (laughs) It, it just it feels like I don't know. It just feels like something that would make the most sense. Like you wouldn't, you wouldn't force something down someone's throat. You'd probably ask them whether they want it or not. So it just doesn't really make sense why they would change it from having it being optional to having it being mandatory. Yes, exactly. Um, and crossplay news: Capcom announced for Monster Hunter Rise that there will be no crossplay between the Switch and PC when the PC version drops. Uh, this will also be the same case for the Sunbreak expansion. No, no crossplay, no crossplay for you. Sorry. I feel like that's. I feel like that's a huge hindrance. Because, because yes, I am. I am all for crossplay. I love the idea of it. It lets people connect, with, no matter what their version. But I feel like the one big hindrance to cos cross not cosplay crossplay <laughs> is the Switch versions of the games. And it's just because of the hardware the Switch has and how it takes a bigger hit compared to everything else. I can see. I mean, that's... uh, I'm not really a game developer, so I'm not really sure what to to advise them on for that. But I just feel like cross-play in any game is always really well appreciated and and really used. So for them to not have it, that kind of takes away a huge multiplayer aspect for people on PC and people on Switch. Because if you have a friend who plays on PC and you're on Switch, well, you can't play together. Yeah, which is sad. If they did a thing where it's like, hey, if you have the Switch version, we'll send you a code for the PC version. That way you can do that and maybe have like a data transfer you can copy over your data to the other version so that way you can still play with your friends on the other version but i feel like that would have been the perfect compromise it just it makes too much sense it makes too much sense and that's where nintendo's like a pc what the fuck is that (laughs) so that's 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 probably what happened um in riot news they're removing cross-team chat from league of legends to try and lower toxicity so actually, me and my uh, me and my friends were actually talking about this, and one of them brought up a really good point. I feel like most of the toxicity happens in the team chat. Most of the time, I see the toxicity amongst teammates rather than um, against other teams. Maybe it's different for League of Legends, but just in most games where they have like cross team chat, that's kind of what I see. Yeah, 
it's it's going to be interesting to see. I again, I don't follow a lot of league. I but also I stay away from league with a ten foot pole because <laughs> of how toxic some of it can be, and also just how of and I'm, I'm hot take and I've said it before. I think league is an extremely boring game. And I do it's not, not see the appeal for it. And yeah, it's definitely not for everyone. It's definitely not for your boy. <laughs> <laughs> Same here. I don't really play League. I know I have friends who play it, but not really for me. Um, in some Minecraft news, a man has built a real-life Minecraft pig and dubbed it the Hamburghini. And it can reach 20 miles an hour. Honestly, that's awesome. Like, how can you... There, there's just some things that you see in news where you just can't be upset with it, and that's one of them. It's just such a thing that you can just look at it like, that's just awesome. It really is. I want to see how he built I don't know if there's a video of how he built it, but I would like to see that because that would be the cool thing. Like, how how did you do this? How did you build the fucking, basically like a mini bike scooter thing and operated it with a carrot stick? I would love to see that. Um, and speaking of Minecraft, uh, the Minecraft Live, Minecraft Live, or Minecon Live, their uh, their votes for the new mob are underway um, as Minecon is coming up. And your choices this uh, year for the mob vote are the Copper Golem, the Glare, and the Alley. Which one would you want to see? Uh, I like the Copper Golem. It's got a really cool uh, thing where it's like you build it, it can activate certain things. And then uh, over time, it just begins to rust, which is kind of cool because it's. I think the copper is a really cool block. So like the set, it's like when you first build it, it's like I am a functional robot, and then like just over time, you see it like just slowly begin to turn into a piece of the past. For me, I kind of like the glare. The just the name of the glare just sounds like a mob. The glare is a. Uh, they're all friendly mobs this time around. The glare is. Uh, it basically will start hissing whenever it's like super dark, and it'll it basically lets basically lets you know that hey, bad monsters can spawn here, so light this fucker up. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm liking it. I'm liking the glare. Uh, in some rating news, Elden Ring was rated in Australia, and according to some reports, it's like a hundred days away now. So people are getting excited over that. Um, in some TV news, System Shock is getting turned into a live action series, which uh, spawned the famous meme, all your oh, all your base are belong to us. Oh my goodness, that's where that's from? I didn't realize. Yes, that is System Shock. Uh, Solar Ash, the, the sequel slash follow-up game to Hyperdrifter, is being delayed to December. And then we got uh, two huge <coughs> lawsuit stories the first one epic games is going back into the fray because google is counter suing epic games that's huge and uh you can read more of that uh, over on pc gamer as that's where i found the story um but essentially uh some things happened after the apple one and google's like yeah you know what basically taking everything apple did right and going off of those points, they're going back in to sue Epic uh, again. And I don't think uh, Epic's going to survive much. I think Epic stands a ghost of a chance on this one. You never know, but uh, I don't know. The, the, I wouldn't put my money on it. You see, with the a- Apple versus Fortnite one being more of the for- being Fortnite on the platform itself, and then both sides won, but a- Epic made lost a lot more money out of it. 
Um, this one's not about Fortnite at all. It's just about Epic as a company doing some other things and kind of going after Google a bit. And Google's like, no, fuck you. And I think that I think that Epic Games is just barking up the wrong tree, and they're really gonna pay for it. When I was like studying this, I think I the reason they were suing is because of like a breach of contract, and I feel like for that in court, like that's pretty definitive evidence and there's not much you can really dispute just because it's literally in writing it's probably signed by higher ups in the company so you're kind of sol in that regards and uh lastly uh in the activision blizzard lawsuit the dfeh and the eeoc are now in some ethics violations in regards to this uh again if you want to read more it's on pc gamer what I got out of this, there are two lawyers that are that were in one of those two-letter acronyms, and they used to work for the other one, which is where it started, and it's basically become a whole mess on their or not a mess, but chaotic now. And they're like, "Wait, hold off! Don't pay the eighteen million yet. We gotta fix some shit on our end." And that's kind of where that's gone. Yeah, I haven't been following this lawsuit as much as I have for the Epic Games, but anytime a lawsuit happens in kind of the gaming industry, it's bound to get a lot of following. Oh uh, yeah, this one was uh, the Activision Blizzard lawsuit was the big one where it's like, hey, you guys are uh, breaking a lot of ethics codes, not being a bit uh, sexist and shit. Oh. Uh... Yeah, and then like a bunch of executives and game lead developers from Blizzard Activision left and uh or or got fired they brought on a new hr person formerly from disney to kind of help fix their issues and stuff and uh yeah it's been bad for them it's been really bad for them yeah it doesn't sound uh doesn't sound good at all not at all and that's the video game news in the tcg world in pokemon fusion strike that comes out november 12th the celebration sets are out now to celebrate the 25 years of the TCG, and they also uh, showed off three little promo cards, and they're hilarious promo cards because you got Katy Perry, Jay Balvin, and Post Malone <laughs> on Pokemon cards. They're not available to the public. Uh, you cannot obtain them as of yet. I don't know if you will be able to. Uh, but they've uh, Sarah B posted, "Hey, look at these. Pe- these are legit made by the Pokemon Company." And I'm like, "Oh, that's hilarious." That is awesome. I, I really like that. In the Yu-Gi-Oh! world, we have the Legendary Duelist Synchro Storm set coming October 29th, the Burst of Destiny set coming November 3rd, the Grand Creators Booster Box on December 3rd, Hidden Arsenal Chapter 1 on January 28th, and Battle of Chaos, recently revealed for February 11th. And in Magic Gathering news, Innistrad Crimson Vow comes, uh, releases online on November 11th, and the full release of the set will be November 19th. And in the world of board game news, workers at the tabletop company Paizo are now unionized, which is a first for the board game tabletop industry. Awesome. And that is the Week in Review. That was everything. Well, most of the interesting things that happened this past week. Uh, Looking on ahead, here's what's uh, coming out next week that should be on your radar. From AAA titles to upcoming indies and random shovelware, here's what's coming out next week that should be on your radar. Um, This is from October 18th to 24th, and starting off on the Monday, Nuclear Blaze comes to the PC. On Tuesday, Inscription comes to the PC. Into the Pit comes to the Xboxes and PC. Dying Light Platinum Edition comes to the Switch. YouTuber's Life 2 comes to the <laughs> PC, Switch, PS4, and Xbox One. 
War Mongrels comes to the PC on Wednesday. Corpse Party is getting a re-release on everything except the PS5. It's going to feature two new characters as well. So the hit indie horror classic getting revamped for 2021. And just in time for Halloween as well. Uh, Grotto also comes out to PC. Townscaper comes to the iOS and Android. Healing Spree comes to PC. And Jars comes to PC and Switch. On Thursday, Echo Generation comes to the Xboxes and PC. Dark Pictures Anthology House of Ashes comes to everything but the Switch. Grobot comes to PC. Resident Evil 4 VR comes to the Oculus. Sands of Aura comes to the PC. And Tandem, A Tale of Shadows, comes to the Switch, Xbox One, PC, and PS4. And lastly, on Friday, Jumanji, the video game enhanced edition, comes to the PS5. And Mega Monster Party comes to the PC. And those are your games coming out. Any thoughts on those, Hex? Uh, well, the one that really caught my eye was the Jumanji, because I've seen pretty much all the movies I saw, the one with Robin Williams, and I saw the new ones. So I that, that movie is like a, a video, uh, the, the new ones at least, it's a video game in a movie, so I guess this one's now a movie in a video game. I, I, it's just going to be interesting to see. Yeah, the 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 game, the Jumanji, the video game is out on like the PS4, Xbox One, and stuff. It's just like, hey, we enhanced it for the PS5. Okay. Um. So yeah, I'm. Uh, two big ones. Obviously, we're getting ready for spooky season. Uh, Corpse Party. I was already talking about that a little bit earlier. That's ah. Uh, uh, huge indie horror game and i know that my boy zach and uh, my boy tadashi are probably super excited about that um and of course dark picture anthology house of ashes that was talked about a lot at e3 and shown off a lot i'm sure that people are ready for that spooky game where a bunch of soldiers in the middle of a war fall into an ancient temple and are being hunted by the pazuzu Definitely sounds like a Halloween-ish type game. Same thing with Resident Evil 4. That's that's like just in time for like spooky season. That that playing that on VR must be that must be scary. It'll be scary, yes. Um the uh the Dark Pictures Anthology games, they're also developed by the people who made Until Dawn. Yeah, the choices you make, they use that butterfly effect, uh, where like the choices you make matter and like could kill people later on in the game if you make the wrong choice. That's actually that's an awesome feature in games because there's so many games where it feels like the choices you make, you just get the same outcome every time. So the fact that they're doing it so that it actually affects later in the game is just it's really cool because you actually feel like you have a sense of purpose rather than just following a script. Yes. I've only really played one game like that, and that was Detroit Become Human. And oh, okay. I loved Detroit Become Human. It's such a phenomenal game. And it's also phenomenal because uh, the voice actor for Hank is Clancy Brown. So you can dub his voice lines over Mr. Krabs. <laughs> That's awesome. And you just hear, Connor, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> but it's Mr. That's Krabs, awesome. and it's so funny. That's awesome. Um, but that's what's coming out that should be on your radar. With that, it's time for us to jump into our main focus for today. Here's what we're talking about this week in the Game Lounge. Covering a variety of topics with his weekly guests, here's what's going down this week in the Game Lounge. And our first topic of the day, Hex, I'll let you intro it. All right, so there was a new game released for the Switch, one that was really, really long-awaited. You might know it, you might not. A little game called, you know, Metroid Dread. Metroid Dread, the Metroid game that dropped out of nowhere that people thought died 15 years ago. Honestly, before I, like, really get into this game, the first thing that I want to say that they really did right was the freaking movement. 
Oh my God. It's it's just so fun to just move Samus. You see, th- that's a good thing I want to hear. That's what I want to hear about these types of games because the only like Metroidvania game I've really ever played was Hollow Knight. And the movement okay. in the movement in Hollow Knight is great and amazing. So hearing that the movement in Dread is like really good, like encourages me to want to go play it. Having Dread be more realistic because I've played I haven't finished, but I've played the the original Metroid on the NES and I played a little bit of Super Metroid. And while those games they're supposed to be scary, it doesn't really have the vibe just because of like kind of like the uh the old uh, not old but the the limitations of the, the NES limitations the for the yeah for the limitations for the consoles but now that it's on switch like i actually feel like my palms getting sweaty as i play knees weak arms heavy <laughs> mom spaghetti and um i i don't know I, I haven't finished the game i've started playing a little bit of it but i gotta say the thing that freaks me out the most are the emmys those things are terrifying they're Oh my goodness. Just, just, I, I don't know. Like as I've grown up, I've found less things to be scary in video games. Like when I was younger, I would really get freaked out by the the stupidest stuff. But when that Emmy grabs Samus and is about to, to like finish her off, I literally like can't look at the screen. Like I actually feel myself like <laughs> getting pulled away from the screen just because I know it's about to happen. Damn. That, that's some real, that, that's, that, that's a good tell of like something's like spooky and spooky scary and shit (laughs) they definitely did it well they did what they were trying to do um and so the only other metroid games that you've played are the first two of metroid and super metroid yes the first two and uh compared to and uh compared compared to those obviously like uh how how far did you get in those games actually first i should ask that for metroid on uh, the nes i never got too far i kind of got maybe like a quarter of the way in um the other metroid for snes um there was one point where i was playing and i was going to learn the speed run um i had finished but i never really got around to learning the speed run so i kind of just have a casual appreciation for the game and after playing a little bit of dread it kind of takes every gripe that i had with super metroid which because it's an awesome game really wasn't a lot and kind of fixed it does uh, playing Dread want, want to make you like go and play the other two Metroid games? Yeah, I haven't played the others, but um, I definitely, I don't know. After playing Dread, I'm starting to kind of expand my horizon, so I'd look into playing some of the other ones. Uh, have you played any other types of Metroidvania games, like any of the Castlevania stuff, Hollow Knight? Have you played any of those? I played a little bit of Hollow Knight when I was visiting my friend in Texas, and um, I, it was an awesome game, but it just wasn't really for me. Um, the kind of like the the dark atmosphere, like Metroid has a dark atmosphere, but Hollow Knight, I kind of just felt like I was in the dark. If that mm. makes sense. And yes. It, it, no, it I really, absolutely understand that. Yes. It didn't really. I don't know. It didn't sit well with me, but like it was still a good game. I can see how people appreciate the game. It just wasn't for me. Okay. Um. Do you does playing like Metroid Dread and like the genre a bit more want to make you exp- expand your horizons to like other types of metroidvania type games mm, i'm not sure because it usually if i want to play a game i i stumble across it and i'm like oh this looks interesting um that's kind of what happens with dread but um as far as like castlevania and stuff like that never really caught my attention but uh, you never know what the future holds that's very true um what, what is there anything that you've experienced in Dread that you would have liked to change? 
Uh, I'm not sure. As much as I talked about the Emmys before, I kind of like don't like having one enemy that just if they spots you, you're just instantly dead. And while you do like have a chance to like counter the Emmys so that they don't kill you, it, it can get hard like with kind of some of the later Emmys. Um, I also honestly, I wouldn't change this, but like I feel like sometimes the bosses dragged on for a little bit long. Like I understand that there aren't that many, but I feel like sometimes the boss is really dragged on. Okay. It's just not as much health for the bosses. Yeah, but the the, the actual fights are good. It just felt like they lasted for an hour. <laughs> okay. Alrighty, that's not too bad. Is there like a huge difficulty spike in the game where it starts off pretty easy and then like there's a certain point where it's just like ooga beluga hard? Honestly, I'm not sure if I can give like a genuine answer because for me, I kind of, I, I'm, a, I'm a little cheeky. I, I use a guide when I play these games. I know there are, there are some people who, who play it all natural. They just go in and, and find it all for themselves. Yeah, I can't do that. I have to use a guide. So I feel like if I wasn't using a guide, it, it would probably be a lot harder and there would be a huge difficulty spike. But because I'm using a guide, it, it doesn't really apply that much. I will say the final boss from what I've seen is really hard. Alrighty. Um, what's your favorite power in the game or favorite thing to use? I'm not sure. I mean, for me, it's going to sound weird, but just the... Screw attack. Like, I don't know. Just having those jumps, having those amount of jumps, just one, it, it increases the amount of movement options you can do. And two, it's just, it's just, it's just fun to use. Alrighty. Okay. Um, anything else you want to add about Dread specifically? Um, yeah, there's one more thing is my friend, um, I, this is from an outside source. So this is not just my opinion. So you know that I'm not making this up. Okay. My friend who's like really stickler about video games loves it. Oh, so yeah, he, what he experienced is he always got lost in, um, the other Metroid games trying to, to beat it hundred percent because he's a completionist oh, and in dread. Thing. The game does a lot more in letting you know when there's stuff hidden in a room than the original Metroid did. And that's something that he really, really appreciates. Nice. That's good to hear. As a completionist myself, I understand his pain. <laughs> so for all the completionists out there, it, it, the Nintendo threw you a bone. Hell yeah. Let's go, Nintendo. Woo! Thank you for the bone. I will <laughs> enjoy it thoroughly. <laughs> that's awesome more on nintendo themselves there's a, a couple upcoming games that are coming out in 2021 and 2022 that they've announced and i want to say this because i nintendo does this a lot it's like when they have their new consoles come out there's at launch they usually have like a bunch of like really good games that come out like consecutively but then there's like a really long dry period with maybe a couple gems here and there and then there's that one point in that console's lifespan that goes on a mini heater. Okay. And I think we're on that mini heater right now because we just got WarioWare. We just got Metroid. And we're not even, and we still have a bunch of other games coming out repeatedly over the next course of the little while. We have Mario Party coming. We got um, the new Kirby game coming. Bayonetta 3 got announced. We have Breath of the Wild 2 that was showing off that's coming out next year as well. What are you excited for that's that's coming out within, like, that, that next? 
I gotta say, the game for me that really had me like jumping around my room was the 3D Kirby. That one is looking really that, good. It looks so good. Kirby in the Forgotten Land, if I'm remembering correctly, is a it's a first for the franchise going 3D entirely for a Kirby game. Um, the first boss, because I'm assuming that that's what the giant monkey is, is the first boss of the game because I don't think they would show anything else for the game aside from like a first boss. Looks really cool. Um, and I cannot wait for people to make the joke of, yo, Kirby just kills Harambe. Rest yeah, um, I remember so many people when we were watching, I was watching in the direct with a nice voice call on my Discord, and so many people were like, oh my god, Super Kirby Odyssey, because the game kind of looked like something Super Mario Odyssey-ish, and I don't know why, I just found that really funny. It kind of did, though, like, it was giving off, like, oh, yo, is this a new Mario game? And then we see Kirby, I'm like, oh, shit! <laughs> um, and this will be Kirby's second game for the Switch, I believe, because Star Allies came out back near the launch of the Switch. And then we haven't heard anything from Kirby since. But now we got the 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 magnum opus, you, should, you could say, from Nintendo, the first 3D Kirby game since 64? Yeah, uh, was 64 fully 3D, though? I'm not even sure. Like I thought, 64 was like yeah, it's like in three in 3D, but like was it like 3D moving around or was it like a linear path that you still followed, like how most of the Kirby games are? I never really played 64 too much. Neither did but I, but I never had a 64, so I didn't play a lot of 64 games. It, I, I don't think it was fully 3D. So this might actually be the first fully 3D Kirby game, unless I'm forgetting something. Yeah. And of course, um, our everybody's favorite uh, father is also behind Kirby, Mr. Papa Sakurai. Again, he's not giving himself a break because he, he, Kirby. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. And speaking of Papa Sakurai real quick, Sora and Smash, that comes out on Monday. Yeah, that was, um, that was, well... I was going to say it was unexpected, but I remember I was scrolling Twitter and I found a leak and it was it was Sora. And I'm like, you know what? I think that's just fake. So when I, when I was watching the direct or when I was hearing about the news, because actually I didn't see the direct. I was in class. I was like, no, I was taking an exam while that happened. And I saw Sora was in Smash and I'm like, wow, they just spoiled it for me and I didn't even know. But um, I think that it's really nice for all the Kingdom Hearts fans. Um. I would have wanted Phoenix Wright, but, you know, that's just me. And I'm honestly happy with whatever we'll get. I'm not one person to try and put down everyone else's favorite Smash character. If it's not who I wanted, I'm just like, okay, you know what? Well, good for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I honestly had no clue who they would have put in. Sora, as much as, like, of a Sora, like, fan I was, I'm like, you know what? I'd like to see Sora in the game, but, like, I'm a realist. And Disney and Sora are pro Disney's probably not going to give us... Sora. But lo and behold, Mickey Mouse appears on the screen and we see our boy. <laughs> and I'm just like, Jesus Christ, they fucking did it. Honestly, after Steve got into Smash, nothing's off the table. Very, very true that <laughs> when Steve got in, it's like, well, shit. <laughs> Literally anything could happen. And, and it's funny to think that. it's This has probably been the vastest variety of like new characters. We had banjo we had you got freaking... you, you had fucking joker from persona joker. 5 banjo hero. kazooie hero um like the piranha plant awesome. terry byleth and min min are their first party stuff but they're still so they're 
kind of whatever, but on the third party side, fucking Steve Sephiroth? Kazuya. Oh my god. It's just it's just really awesome to see like new characters in Smash because that's how I also find out about the new games. Because I didn't know who Kazuya was, so I looked him up and I'm like, oh, oh hey, he actually has his own line of games. He's not yeah. just like a side character or something like that. Yeah, fucking the Tekken series, an iconic fighting game franchise. I'm surprised they went with like if when they did announce Kazuya, I'm like, oh shit, they went with Kazuya. I thought they would have gone with like Jin, who's like kind of the protagonist now in like the Tekken in like six and seven, because he's like the whole thing of Tekken is like it's a fucked up family because you, uh, you Heihachi's the grandfather, then you have Kazuya, then you have Jin, who's the son of Ka- it's just like they're all kind of fucked, but Jin's like the least way. He's like I need to stop both of them because they're both fucked in their own minds, and uh, <laughs> that's definitely interesting. An interesting uh plot um I don't know plot. Diagram. I don't know. I, yeah. I was struggling to find the word there. There's also a bear you can play as in Tekken. A bear. Okay. So you, maybe, you, maybe you got be... bear. So you know what? They're 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 good games. Maybe the bear will be the 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 surprise new character in Smash, or maybe the, the first one released for Smash Six. You never know. Uh, uh, okay. I want I want I, I want your honest take here. Do you think we're gonna get a, a new a brand new Smash Bros game when they get a new console, or do you think it'll just port Ultimate and then just do more? DLC characters. Oh, that's see. Part of me wants to be optimistic and say that I think there's going to be a new Smash, but I can't deny the possibility of the latter option. Just because literally most of the people I know just love Ultimate, minus like you know some gripes with the online. Everything else is just like it feels like the definitive Smash version. Sorry, all the melee fans out there, but. I honestly, I I agree, I agree with you on that, and the reason I say that as well is like Sakurai and the team—they've probably been exhausted with this game like for so much that having to go back in develop a brand new Smash game, like it, it's taking a lot on Sakurai, and I I feel like like and I, I the and I feel like the fans would be happy because it's like you know what we're getting legit everyone back on the brand new console. All they do is like make a couple like graphic overhaul things like minor. And bal- rebalance anything if that needs to be rebalanced. And they're like, okay, folks, here's our batch of new characters that are getting in with the launch of this game. And uh, we're doing what we did with Ultimate and we're bringing in 11 new DLC fighters throughout the course of the years or however many DLC fighters. And I, w- and I feel like they might just do that. You know what? I trust their decision making. Uh, I know whatever they do, it- it's going to be an enjoyable experience. It, it definitely will. Sakurai is the type of person who does put a lot of love and care into the work he does. I I agree with that. I I can't wait though, because you know it'd be funny though, is if in the new game, we, when Mario appears on screen, you just hear, "Hey, I'm Chris Pratt." Oh my goodness, <laughs> that would be something. I want Chris Pratt Mario in the new Super Smash Brothers. That honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if Chris Pratt Mario gets in before Waluigi. <laughs> I was okay. I, I was doing. I, I was doing some reading, and I I saw this like one TikTok of like, yo, you guys know why Waluigi never won't be a Waluigi will never be a playable character in Smash Bros. And here's why: he was never developed by Nintendo. Wait, he was developed he by Camelot, the people who oh. did the sports game, because in Mario Tennis, everybody had a partner except for Wario, so they had to make a character for Wario partner and since mario had luigi they're like waluigi 
Obviously, they probably had to run shit by Nintendo to make a character in the Mario franchise at that time, but they were like, yeah, sure, go for it. We get our tall, lanky boy, and Waluigi, since that point, has only ever appeared inside games and never the mainline Mario games. Well, I guess the dream's over. Probably. I guess, uh, but then I again, guess then again, uh, we could be it. wrong. And and who the first character revealed? Here's the thing. Here's what's going to determine it: is if uh, if we do get a brand new Smash Bros. game, and they show off the assist trophies, and Waluigi is not one of them shown off, then there's hope. There's hope, but don't give me hope. I don't want to. I don't want to have my spirits crushed again. <laughs> Any other upcoming games you want to quickly talk about? Uh, just briefly, Mario Party. It's pretty cool. I mean, I like how they're going back to the original format. Um, I, I, for me, I always play for the mini games, and the mini games look pretty fun. So that's pretty much my take on that game. Yeah, they're doing what Mario Mario Party All Star Top One Hundred should have been uh, a game where you have some classic boards and a, basically a best of collection of mini games. I never really had a gripe with the old Mario Party. I, I feel like everyone was really, really harsh on like Mario Party 9, Mario Party 10. Mario Party but, 9 um, and 10 did a lot of different things where it's like, hey guys, instead of moving individually, you're moving as one. And whoever is in control gets whatever you pass. I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. I, I never played them, so I can't actually judge it for myself. I can only really reiterate what people have said online about it. Yeah, Mario Party 9. I my first Mario Party game was Mario Party DS and I played Mario Party 9 for my Wii. And what's weird is I like Mario Party 9 more than Mario Party 8, which is usually you see the other way around. Yeah. But um I don't know, it just kind of felt like it added an element of like surprise to the point where that you're all moving as one and you could literally get you could either get screwed over or you could screw someone else over just because of the the odds or the luck. And that's Pretty much Mario Party is it's really, really luck-based. Yeah, it, it very much is. And that is like, I always say, the Mario gods have giveth or the Mario gods taketh away. <laughs> uh, that is true. Which they always do in one way, shape, or form. Um, one last thing I do want to quickly add, I'm excited that Kingdom Hearts is finally coming to the Switch. Um, if you have a Switch, it is the cloud version. I do want to see how well it runs, like how it's going to be as a cloud version for the game. And if they're good, then go play them on the Switch because they're phenomenal games. Although the story can be hard to understand if you do not play everything in focus. My, um, my, my, oh, sorry to interrupt, but my family, they're huge Disney fans. So when I showed them that there was like a game with Disney characters, they kind of freaked out. So maybe I'll get my, uh, get my family on the gaming wave soon. Hell yeah. The first Kingdom Hearts game is uh, is like the point to start because it's like yeah because it, 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 you it's like there's no like overarching plots yet it's just like hey I need to find my friends let's go to fun Disney World <laughs> I feel like they'd like it yeah and it's a uh, fun fact about the first Disney game they have to credit uh, Tarzan separately because Tarzan's not owned by Disney anymore. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's uh, it's why Tars the Tarzan world only appears in Kingdom Hearts one and not in any of the other Kingdom Hearts games. That's unfortunate because the world of Tarzan seems like a really, really, really good basis for like. It's video all game right how they leveled. did the world. How they did the world. It's like very. I, I'm not a fan of the Tarzan world. I've, as a guy who platinum the first Kingdom Hearts game, I do not like the Tarzan world that much. It's probably like one of my least favorite worlds to be in. Okay, but that's just me. Uh, Alrighty, with that, it's time to move on to our second topic of the day. 
that. And that topic is uh, the similarities of competitive Smash Bros and speedrunning. Because you are a speedrunner. Yes, I am. And a bit of a Smash Bros player. So let's start with this. What is your experience with competitive Smash Brothers? So I'm not going to sit here and say, like, I'm a, I'm a really, really good Smash player. I go to local tournaments. Um, I just really play kind of for fun and just to meet other people. But um, I've done a couple tournaments. I, I have some friends in the uh, Smash Bros. community. I know some people who are pretty good. But um, I just play kind of for fun. And just um, I look forward to tournaments just because it's like a nice place to go to and just play and try and do well and meet other people. So um, definitely like not the most intense Smash Bros. player. But um, I've, I've dabbled in tournament settings. Nice. Okay. And... Aside from Sonic Adventure 2, what other games do you speedrun? Oh boy. So I speedrun. See, here's the difference between me and a, a lot of other speedrunners is other speedrunners really choose one game to focus. For me, I speedrun a lot of games and a lot of categories within the game. So I'm a huge 3D Mario person. I'm a huge 3D Sonic. Um, I've done some Zelda I've done even Smash Bros. subspace speedrunning, so I've done a lot of a lot of games. You've done everything under the sun, almost. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, which ones you like are your favorite ones to do? That's tough because there's a lot of games that I really like. It's like picking but, your favorite um, child. <laughs> yeah, my favorite my favorite categories to speedrun. I really like Super Mario Sunshine. I like the the 120 shines category. Um, I also like one of the emblems, Sonic Adventure 2 runs. Obviously, you know, another person who does that because we've had Trader on the podcast. Um, and while Trader is kind of like a legend in those categories, me, I just – I did one of those just to say that I did one because it, doing one of those runs has been kind of like a dream ever since seeing Talon do it. And I'm just glad to have finally gotten it done. Hell yeah. Chow, chow part I hear is hell. How was Chow? Oh boy. So, (laughs) so, (laughs) story time. In my first ever 180 emblem speedrun, I was around 12 to 13 hours in, and I had just finished all the chow karate and the chow raising, and I was in the middle of jewel races, so that's about three hours into chow. I had gotten a glitch that had my chow somehow get off the course and he fell basically back into out of bounds now basically that course had a section where you had to shake a tree your child to shake a tree um and eat an orange that fell from the tree so what happened was is my child respawned back at the beginning of the race and when he got to the tree the game had crashed because i had already done the orange on the tree so the game had crashed and me, I was kind of interacting with chat because who pays attention to chow races? You level your chow yeah. up so much, you already know you're going to win. And I look back and I see my game crash and I almost – I couldn't believe what I was seeing because I've never seen anything like this happen. And the thing about chow garden is you only save when you leave. Oh, no. So I had lost three hours of my chow raising progress. And honestly, here's the kicker. So – Doing the infinite chow glitch, if you run out of animals, you have to go grab new ones. And whenever you, you have to leave the chow garden for that so it saves. Well, because I had done my chow feeding perfectly, 
I had oh, it. I didn't, no. I didn't need to leave the garden. Oh, no. So, me doing my chow raising perfectly ended up being the death of my run. Wow. Oh, my God. That, I've never heard, I didn't know. How did he even go out of bounds? Like, how does that even... He was swimming, and he tried to climb back up on a ledge, but for some reason, he didn't climb up, so they redid the animation. But every time the animation played, the chow kind of moved to the right. Um, So he moved so far to the right to the point that he was in an area with no collision and just got sent back to the start. Oh, my God. That was probably one of the most gut-wrenching moments in speedrunning. A part of me wants to see if we can recreate that. <laughs> I hope not, because I, I honestly I wouldn't wish that on anyone. Yeah, the, no, the pain honestly. of the three hours of chow raising, essentially three hours of the most boring part of the run, just being used, just wasted. And that, at that point, my run was thirteen hours in, so like I had to quit the run. Thankfully, the next run that I did beat that pace that that run was on by two hours, so I didn't really feel that bad. But it just was like such a thing where it was like, this can happen? That was a, uh, what we call a certified bra moment. Yeah, certified bra moment indeed. I even showed it to Savic, one of like the smartest SA2 runners. And even he was like, I have no clue how this happened. Fuck. I feel like if anybody would have known how how this happened, maybe Profit? Because of his knowledge of Chow? I don't even think Profit knew what had happened. Fuck. That's... Fuck. I... (laughs) <laughs> I want to know more about that. I want. The, I oh fuck. A party wants to go lab this out and see if I can recreate this. But a party is like also like, but that do, means doing chow. Yeah, I, chow. I part of the reason why I don't run one of the emblems anymore is just because of the chow. Because if you if you don't do chow for a while, you kind of forget how it works, and then relearning chow is just really boring. I feel like becoming an SA two speed runner, especially like really like dampers your opinion about the chow garden oh yeah (laughs) oh yeah everyone like loves the chow garden casually but for me i never i i hated the chow garden you see as a a child i loved it but uh, as you grow up and you like as i started watching speedruns i'm like oh chow sucks chow sucks so much Doing chow in multiple sittings is probably a lot of fun, but doing chow in one sitting over the course of four hours just it, – it takes a toll off of you. <laughs> you lose a part of your personality. Oh, yeah. You just become chow. <laughs> oh, yeah. Although it is fun though. The, I will say the one good thing about the chow is like when you finish the evolution and they go into the cocoon, it's really suspenseful knowing that you need a hero and you need a dark chow. So you, you almost know that the entirety of your run is at stake because if you get two hero chow, if you get two dark chow, or if you get a neutral chow, you pretty much have to reset because you lose an hour and a half of feeding. But um, it's it's really easy to make sure you get the right chow, but it's always suspenseful. Absolutely. Uh, moving back to the big topic at hand, um, what are some similarities that you've found between both speedrunning and competitive Smash Bros? There's honestly a lot more than people may think. Um, when I – my first Smash tournament, I kind of knew how everything had worked. Most of the – some of the people that go there for the first time don't really know how it works. Uh, for me, I had already know, knew how it worked. Double elimination, your number gets called, you're, you're on deck. 
part of which is because I do do like I do speedrunning tournaments and I also did wrestling in high school. So that has like a, a tournament aspect to that as well. So I had my experience with kind of tournament formats. Um, so the way the speedrunning tournament works and the way Smash Bros tournament works is a speedrunning tournament has the same structure of a Smash Bros tournament just over a longer period of time. Um, you also are like playing for longer. And um, in I feel like in speedrunning, there's a lot more chance of an upset than there is in a smash tournament yeah i I feel like with smash it's very much determined by like a lot of things of just like who plays the game more knows the characters better and just hits their inputs faster to get those combos off where speed running one mistake from either person can turn the tides drastically um like i remember when i was doing uh the super mario galaxy 2 spearing tournament which was my main category at the time there was a really big upset in the bracket where a like a person who was in the the preliminary round which basically is like the round before the tournament even starts where you either you win and get in or you lose and you're out of the tournament one of the guys from there had beaten one of the top runners who was like the ninth seed and I feel like an upset like that would just never happen in Smash. Yeah, it's very rare for it, those to happen. Like, the only time you ever really see those happen is when you, like, have a new up-and-coming star in the Smash scene completely dominate somebody that's, like, like H-Box or fucking Leffen or Mewtwo King or someone like that. But, yeah, I, I, it just feels like in Smash Bros., I feel like the amount you practice doesn't really pay off as much as the amount of practice you put yeah. into speedrunning. Also, bracket luck in Smash Bros. is a huge thing. Yeah, that that's a de- it definitely is. It, it, it comes down to like how the games are both played out, whereas Smash Bros. is a fighting one-on-one game where you're both... Like, basically right next to each other, duking it out. And so there's also like that intimidation a bit oh yeah i will say one of the similar feelings in speedrunning and smash bros tournaments is when you kind of you look at the bracket and you see who you're up against and typically that like gauges like the feelings of how you are going into the match because um usually if you're up against the first or second seed you kind of look at the bracket you're just like fuck like you're just there just like well this is this is what we're dealt with. Rather, if you if you're going up against someone like in a speedrunning tournament or in a smash tournament, kind of like you know that they're maybe new or they may not be um, doing it for as long. You kind of like have a feeling of like knowing what you're getting into. And the good thing about speedrunning and smash is there's designated websites, you know, speedrun.com and smash.gg, where you can kind of scout out your opponent. Yeah, that is very true. Definitely, definitely a lot of similarities when it comes to like those regards but i feel like in smash bros you have the potential to get a lot more matches than like a speedrunning tournament so um they both operate the same way though losers bracket but the losers bracket does suck for both i'll, I'll say that much yeah it's definitely a much tougher climb being in the losers bracket than staying in a winner's bracket it kind of sucks knowing that one loss you can have it would just send you out of the tournament immediately Whereas um, the being in the winner's bracket, you kind of have that sense of security. Obviously, nobody wants to to lose, but you know that you can make a mistake and it, it won't be the end for you. Yeah, you ha- yeah, it's, it's having that safety net underneath you of knowing that you're not entirely out of it. And the people that you would go up against next in the loser's bracket uh, may not be the best players as well. 
it is tough though trying not to underestimate someone based off of like it, that's just tough for like in tournaments in general because you could literally see especially in speedrunning and smash you could see someone you know get three stocked just because you don't know who they're facing you see them get three stocked you're like you know what we got this in the bag and then the next thing you know they're they're, they're two and owing you at the tournament um and in speedrunning you could you know, see someone have a race with someone and they get really far off their PB and you're like, well, they're really inconsistent, but everyone has a bad day and you either, you could be on the receiving end of having that bad day, or you could be on the receiving end of them having a really, really, really good day. Or you could be on the receiving end of Stellar with the power of God in anime on her side. <laughs> that, that is something that, that honestly, that, that brings me to another point is they're really momentum based, both tournaments really have a momentum based kind of like feeling and that that was just what happened with stellar and the hero story tournament just pure momentum you know victory after victory after victory victory after kind victory after happens. ninja frog having his controller break uh <laughs> trainer having uh his um uh what was his fucking neighbor's barbecue getting struck by lightning and uh you know stellar just genuinely playing out of their mind that happens, you know, you you could literally play, and this is something that I feel like is more in speedrunning, is you could play so well and still not win just because your opponent could also play super well. That's probably one of the most kind of like frustrating feelings in, in either setting is you play so well and you kind of give yourself the best chance to win, but you still don't win. Yeah, very much, very much so. That's kind of if we're. It, it, I one instance of this is like in the Hero Story tournament when I faced, um, I think it was Nug Runner. In like this was the the match for me to get into big bracket. Which spoiler alerts, I, I ended up getting in because of Deuce, you know, sleeping through his match. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, I, that match I felt like I really did everything in my power to win, and I just did it because of Nug being so much better and having so much more experience at the game but the difference was i didn't really feel frustrated i just felt like you know what i gave it my all and it didn't happen i, I can't really be upset with myself and you know what i think you were like one of the only people if not the only person who landed hex skip five times that was i don't even that was something honestly my mindset has really really changed throughout speedrunning, and it's tough because Wait, that's one of the the, the the questions down the line in mindset for each of the competitions. But I'll explain right now. I knew in the tournament that my chances of beating a lot of my opponents were really, really low. So you can either win the match or you can win the crowd. So that was my goal is to try and win the crowd. And I think I did pretty well. Heck yeah, you did, dude. Fuck, like seeing that skip be performed is always like really cool. How did you even find that? Like, because I'm... You're the creator of it. So how did Hex Skip come to be? So it's actually pretty uh, – It's there's a little bit of lore behind it. I'm going to be honest. Um, but uh, there's a lot of stories going around on how it was found. But this is this is coming from the source. Like this is coming from the, the, the person who the skip is named after. This, this right here is a Tony's Game Lounge exclusive. Listen up, folks. All right, continue. All right, so – Back in like 2018-ish, I had a different alias named um, Hexaforce, and I still went by Hex, uh, just not – people knew me as Hexaforce, not Hex, 
And um, basically what I had done one day is I was messing around in Pyramid Cave and I had found that if you did a gravity bounce on the loop, um, you could make it like barely make it to the wall and you could just wall run up and end up to the area, you know, where hex skip finishes. Um, but I posted it in the discord and I got like dragged for it because it was super slow and like it, it, it became pretty much a meme and um, I had said it like, you know, hex skip, this is called hex skip, you know, the gravity bounce. And people like were like, this doesn't even save time. So I was kind of getting like dragged through the mud with it. And and it was weird at the time. But uh, looking back on it, I mean, it, I really probably should have retimed it. And when they initially had found the gravity bounce, like the initial setup for the loop speed, they decided to name it hex skip just to keep the meme going. And when I found out that the skip was named Hex Skip, I actually didn't know until the Hero Story tournament where Lexi won. Um, Lexi won the tournament. Okay. I was in chat watching because this is when I was really like on a break from speedrunning, and I just see people posting in chat like Hex Skip, Hex Skip, and I'm like, wait, what? I thought it was slow, and then I, I see in Pyramid Cave they hit the skip, and I'm just like, wait, that's epic. So I saw how epic it was. I saw it was named after me. I'm like, okay, there's only one thing left to do. I have to do this. I didn't. I might have lost runs to it, but I didn't care. I just wanted to show off. I I, I wanted to. I wanted to. Wanted to just. I wanted to liven up the crowd. I wanted to to leave a lasting impression on everyone that was watching me. Just showing that I I really just want to have fun with it and you know really show what I can do. So how did you feel when KD4 landed Hex Skip in the GDQ run? Honestly, that was an incredible accomplishment. In front that, of thousands on of people GDQ, live, your that, skip performed live. That was nuts. And honestly, it felt really interesting just hearing everyone refer to it as Hex Skip, knowing the, the lore behind it, while having not many people actually know the lore behind it. But um, it it was just really like a an int- that entire run was just insane. By the insane way, insane run. If you still it was just I mentioned it before. If you have not seen this run, go watch it. It's under Katie's old name, unless they have changed it. I don't know if they have, but it's under her whole her old name of Dage Four. But go check that out. Still, it's such a phenomenal run. It's an amazing run, and probably I'm going to be honest here, probably one of the best runs done at GDQ ever. Yeah, I. I... I, I, I do not disagree. And it was just a really awesome moment to see the the goat of SA two, as Seraphim referred. Just she absolutely destroyed the entirety of everyone's one expectations that she blew them out of the water. Got even better than what we expected, and just having everything that makes SA two so cool just being shown off. Yeah, it's it's so, so cool to see. Moving back to the topic again, <laughs> um, what are some <laughs> of the differences that you find between the competitive smash and speed running? Honestly, there's a lot more psychological warfare that goes into smash, and that's going to be. Uh, many people may not agree, or many people who speedrun may say that there's more psychological warfare that goes into speedrunning, but a lot of the times. Um, if people know that they can't beat you, they try to get in your head. They try to make it so that you kind of beat yourself and they can just, you know, snag the victory rather than you, um, them beating you legit. So a lot of the times, 
um, people in the Smash community. I haven't found it too much, but there is one dude who literally, while I was practicing, I was supposed to face him. He had walked in front of me practicing. Like I was in a chair practicing on like the monitor, and he had walked in front of the the monitor and me, like right in between that, to try and like get into my head. I'm pretty sure because it doesn't really seem like there was any other reason why he would do it. And that's like a an old strategy that they did in wrestling. Like when you were in lines where they were taking your weight, the opponent would like cut and f- walk in front of your line to try and get in your head. And it just was really weird seeing that at a Smash tournament. Like, really? Hey, it, it, sometimes it, for for new people though, it can be really fucking intimidating. It can. Work. It can. It works sometimes. Thankfully. Thankfully, I could kind of see through that shit. Like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not gonna fall for that. Come on now, like, <laughs> come, on. It, 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 come on, come on, man. You, you think I'm gonna fall for this shit? Hell no. But then he does it again and again. Yeah. And then he starts pacing, and then he turns into a cat. <laughs> and then I lose to but, a cat um, in Smash Bros. And I don't know how it happened because he has paws, he has no thumbs, and I still lost. I think I should change my main from Olimar to someone else. <laughs> but um definitely like i don't know for me what the similarities is you get nervous beforehand but the thing about smash is i really i i, I always say this i'm a speedrunner, not a smash player that's my like excuse i guess you could say um and um it's not me trying to say like, oh, your accomplishment doesn't matter. So like, I, hey, I'm here for fun. Like I'm not over here to try and, you know, win the tournament. I'm just here for fun. And that's pretty much like the mindset that I have. However, when it comes to speed running, I'm always a lot more nervous because this is like my my thing. Yeah. Like this is what it's, I practice it's your, it's for. It's your passion essentially. Oh, yeah. And literally like – I can't tell you um, one race that I've had or one event in speedrunning where I haven't been nervous. Even even I did a a, um, a, a Super Mario 3D World tournament, um, and that was one of my main speed games at the time. And I was facing someone who I kind of had an unfair advantage because I was running a different version of the game, and my PB on the previous version was better than his PB. So I feel like. Uh, I was still nervous before that match, even though I I thought to myself I could probably win. Yeah. Um. But um. It it was still the same. Where like you have someone who you think you can beat, but they're they're way better than you may think, and that's kind of something that goes true in Smash Bros as well. Because like I said before, you never know like when someone's just gonna flip that switch, going from you know having maybe a bad week to having you know the best week the best game of their life when are they going from goku ultra instinct to shaggy ultra instinct (laughs) (laughs) pretty much um i remember and then the last thing is like you if you lose like a race in speedrunning, and if you lose a match in smash you you definitely feel like this feeling inside of you especially if you know like you could have had it but you gave it away that's like one of the probably one of the most heartbreaking feelings is having a match that you know you could have won, but you kind of gave it away at the end. Kakov Aura Ace in the finals of the recent <laughs> tournament in the first two <laughs> matches. Yeah, it's 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 not a good feeling at all. Yeah. It, it's definitely something, to say the least. 
Definitely. That answers most of the questions. That answered the mindset question, definitely. Uh, one last thing I want to say is how what is your highest you've ranked in a speedrun tournament and a smash tournament? What's the highest you've placed? I would for speedrunning, I um I got in the blood round of the Galaxy 2 tournament. The blood round is basically you um you either qualify for big bracket. Uh, if you win or if you lose, you're out of the tournament. And that's probably like the best tournament showing I've had, um, even though I don't think that it, it was the best I could have done. And I, I do really regret like my performance. However, um, it's not really the same, but I've participated in a lot of speedrunning relays as well. And that's kind of a semi-tournament because you are facing other teams. Yeah. And um, me and relays and me and tournaments are completely different. Like every time we've had a, a relay, basically what they'll do is there's the 540 relay and the 1862 relay. And the reason they're called those is because of how many collectibles you get in every Mario game. Basically the 540 is every 3D Mario game, any percent where one person does a certain category um, and the times are totaled from everyone's performance. And the 1862 is the 100% category. Um, of every game and i participated in both the tournaments and i'm actually the only person to have won or been on the winning team in both of those races everyone else yeah it was it was a huge accomplishment um the first race the 540 relay actually was the last leg and i won it for my team that was probably the highlight of my speedrunning career hell yeah um and uh for the 1862 relay my team still has the fastest time of any any completed team in that relay so we still have record if you if you go like look on speedrun.com you'll see the first place next to all of our names uh, as for smash tournaments i haven't gotten too far i think i got my best was like 33rd um out of like 80 not not the best hey, you made, but, I you mean, made it to I'm, the top half coming. of that group so that's a that's a good yeah win. that's true that is true um it was definitely the awesome experiences and every time i've went to a smash tournament i've met a speedrunner um the smash tournament that i go to is um xanadu emerald's been there i I think you've heard the name if you if people talk about smash tournaments because i know um emerald freezy some other people they're planning on going to that venue for glitch oh yeah glitchcon and um, and yeah and so that's the tournament that i'm at but um every time i've been there i've met a speedrunner um, I met one who speedrun Sunshine, and I've met someone who actually was the team captain for one of the really popular um, races called the 1545. It's a it's kind of like a Mario, uh, Rareware 301, Spyro and Crash combination. It's like pretty much one of the biggest like speedrunning races where a lot of people submit, and he was actually one of the team captains for one of his teams. So it's just really interesting to see how many people like speedrun and play smash so there's definitely like a uh an overlap of of the audience for both all right is there anything else you would like to add about uh smash bros speed running last thing promise um so pretty much the appeal for smash is you find a main yes and the appeal for speed running is you find a main game pretty much for me I kind of just said F that to all of it. Like I kind of said, screw your social norms. I'm going to be different. And um, (laughs) basically I don't main someone in Smash. I play many different characters. I play Kirby, Yoshi, Donkey Kong, Bowser, Luigi. I play so many people. And that's kind of the same thing with me 
in speedrunning. I, I play so many different characters. Or I play so many different games, rather. Um, it's definitely like a similarity that I have between Smash and uh, Smash and uh, speedrunning. Is I, I never could find myself held down to one game. I could never find myself held down to one main, and I think it just makes it a lot more fun. Obviously, people like choosing their main, but I really like you know having the variety. All right, you know I like that. I I like that uh, the complex that you have there. I, 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 it also you. rhymes as well. So you know what? That's a, an A-plus in my book. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, with that, then, it's time for us to move on to the bonus level. Wacky lists, weekly reports, and a look back at video game history. Here's this week's bonus level. And to kick things off, uh, we're starting with the community corner, where every week I do my best to remember to ask my people in the discord for questions to ask on the future episodes of the podcast and we got three. Oh wow okay. um, the first one uh which i think should be a easy one to answer really quick what is your favorite fighting video game and why super smash bros brawl all righty why Bra- and i think we covered why brawl specifically uh back in the earlier one uh, for me, it is uh, probably Smash Ultimate. I've probably put the most hours okay. of all the Smash Bros. games into Ultimate. If I if it wasn't Ultimate, though, it probably would be Brawl as well. Yeah, I, I, so many people really harp on, like, Brawl's competitiveness, but uh, for me, it doesn't even matter. Like, Subspace is just too goaded. Yeah. Uh, second question. Uh, oh, that was, and that was, of course, from uh, Actual Trash PhD, my boy Zach, uh, from Azrius. What is your favorite spooky levels in video games? Ooh, that is tough. Um, I definitely like Mad Monster Mansion in Banjo-Kazooie. That level is, like, really, really awesome. Um, I also like uh, Ghostly Galaxy and Super Mario Galaxy. Spooky, spooky. Um, another one that I really like that may not count as like a spooky level but it's um i see it as it's underwater it's dark there's a scary enemy so i'm gonna count it as one is the eel in super mario sunshine oh yeah i know it's yeah i know that one yeah um the reason i like that level so much is because i had spent hours i had pretty much grinded each day trying to learn the fast strat for the eel and i could never get it until one day i was in a run i'm like you know what i'm gonna go for it but i'm not gonna get it I somehow get it. And ever since then, I can literally play that level on repeat and not get bored. Damn. Um, for me, it's uh, all Luigi's Mansion. It's one level. It's one spooky level. <laughs> it's uh, that's probably that's probably for me. That's uh, my uh, pick. That is a pretty good spooky level. It really is. And lastly, from the Poggerator himself, question for the next week episode Thoughts on a second classified military document being leaked on War Thunder forums with the intent for the devs to make the game more realistic. Uh oh, that's a that's a question and a half. I say do it. That game is already realistic as it is. Matt Pat covered it on Game Theory that if they made it more realistic, the tanks wouldn't fire half of the time. And you would die on spawn. I say do it. Leak it. Oh, this is a tough one. Um, I mean I'm not sure. I, I say go for it. Leak, you know. leak the documents. Tell us go what the American it. military is hiding from us. <laughs> I don't know. Go for it. What What do we got to lose? Uh, so there we go. That's uh, that's the community corner of this week. 
Uh, thank you for the questions. Of course, you can submit questions uh, if I ever remember to tweet about it um, and have a pinned tweet on, uh, on my, over on my Twitter. Or, of course, you can join our official Discord by heading over to our Twitch channel and using exclamation point Discord to join. Um, moving on to top five. Top five Nintendo franchises you'd like to see a new entry in. All right. This one. So, honestly... So... My fifth ranked option is I'd really like to see, and this is going to come with, I'd like to see another Ice Climbers game. Like that that one's probably like right from, from, from left field, but I don't know. I feel like there's so much more they could do with that, that franchise. They could make it like, um, oh, what is it? Like maybe like a 3D, like you could be, use do a lot of ice physics, like in, like instead of like climbing a mountain, you could do some like exploring some ice fields and then like. You climb multiple mountains, and you just got to travel to each of the mountains. That would be kind of cool. That would be kind of cool. Uh, number four, I just had this in my head. Um, number four, I'd honestly like to see another good Yoshi's Island game. Yes. Like another good Yoshi's Island game. Not saying that, you know, Yoshi's New Island and 3D is bad. It's just not the same. It's just not the same. Um, number three, I'd like to see, I want to see another Donkey Kong Country. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I feel like there's a, a, a dog, a, a new Donkey Kong game is due. Honestly. Honestly, I think you're right. Maybe even a 3D one. Maybe. Um, number two, uh, oh, that's. Does, does saying Super Mario Galaxy count? Because, yeah. Because like Galaxy 3, come on. <laughs> I want Galaxy 3 so bad. Super Mario Odyssey Galaxy? Odyssey Galaxy? Uh, I don't know. Odyssey I feel like those, they, they should be they should be kept separate. Galaxy is like it's a it's a such a good format and like we don't want any of that that Odyssey stuff mixed in. I have nothing. But I want to take but... over a space Goomba. <laughs> I want to be that, space Goomba. Maybe keeping the capture the capture feature would be nice, but for number one. Oh, that that is definitely. I'm not sure. Number one, I want another Nintendo Land esque type game. Yes, I do too. Honestly, I'm surprised that they haven't. Actually, saying that out loud, like, oh wait, no. The reason they haven't just ported Nintendo Land is because the Wii U gamepad. Because uh, some of the games relied on that, but I'm surprised they haven't like done something like that again, or at least like something. Yeah, just something along those lines. I would like to see it because it was a fun game. It was a really fun game, and it was awesome because it was a nice party game. And they had such a variety of, of games that you never really got bored. Yes. Uh, for myself, uh, at number five, F-Zero. People talk about it all the time. I would like to experience an F-Zero game in my lifetime. It would be cool. Okay. If they, yeah, uh, I, d- I definitely think they're due. Um, number four, I would like to see a new Earthbound game. Do, like, an Earthbound, like, remastered, like, maybe, like, HD, 3D Number three, a new Mario. Um, honestly, I'm in that same boat for a new Mario Galaxy type game. Yes, join us. It, it'd be cool. I did. Lo- I, I love the Mario Galaxy games. They are so much fun. We're due, and it could work on the Switch. It, could, it absolutely mean, can. It We've seen with thank with 3D All Stars, we have seen that the motion controls do work pretty well, decently. They could easily develop it better and uh, make it work. Uh, at number two, uh, I'm going to go 
with a good old uh, retro game. I want Duck Hunt back. Give me a new Duck Hunt. Oh, okay. Give me, okay. Give me a Duck Hunt, but make it more realistic and bloody. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know if you ever played like the Wii Play, but they kind of had like a oh, Duck Hunt. They did, yeah. They had uh, targets. Yeah. But it would it would be really cool to see like an actual Duck Hunt, a new one. Uh, number one, uh, Wii Sports Resort. Give me a new oh, one. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. I love Wii Sports Resort. Wii Sports one. Resort like, is, fuck, is my like, favorite. Why, I'm surprised we did it because the Switch, the, they have motion controls in them and the and in the Joy-Con, so it would work. And I would love to see it back. Nintendo's just trolling at this point. They need to make Nintendo one. Nintendo hard trolling at this point. They they we need we need another one. Like we need Switch Sports because honestly, my favorite part about Wii Sports Resort was getting all the stamps. I, I love the stamps. They're tough. Some of them they, those are probably hardest achievements in gaming history. I'm gonna be honest. Hardest achievements in gaming history. Number five. The stamps in Wii Sports Resort. I, honestly, they might be number one. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, well, that's top five. Moving on to this week in gaming history. Once again, October 18th to 24th. Here's what happened in the past. On the 18th, 1985, Nintendo test releases the NES in the United States in New York City. Special displays were set up in departments, toy, and electronic stores. The price, $125. US 17 game cartridges were available with the launch of the game system. The most influential console of all time, I'm going to be honest. That's my, that's my take. That's a take. That's a, it's, it's a take, that's for sure. And, and in 1994, Sega released Sonic and Knuckles uh, for the Genesis in, the U, in North America. On the 19th in 2010, Bethesda released Fallout New Vegas for the PS3 and 360 in North America. On the 20th in 2009, 2K released Borderlands for the 360 and PlayStation 3 in North America. On the 21st, 1998, Konami released Metal Gear Solid for the PlayStation in North America. On the 22nd, 2017, Ubisoft released <laughs> South Park, the fractured butthole, uh, for PS4 and Xbox One in North America. On the 23rd, 2012, Microsoft Game Studios released Forza Horizon, the first Forza Horizon for the Xbox 360. And on the 24th, 2011, Nintendo released what is arguably one of my favorite spin-off games of all time for Pokemon, Pokemon Rumble Blast was released for the 3DS in North America. Arguably, I love Rumble. I love the first two Rumble games, and then they've ruined the, se- the franchise. Oh, unf- yeah. Because the one, on the, Wii, the one on the Wii U, they d- basically did the test run with Amiibos by making small little NFC Pokemon figures for Rumble Blast that, were o- that, were for the- that didn't sell well and didn't do well. And then they made a free-to-play rumble game for the 3ds and it was all right but it also used microtransactions until they did like until they released like a proper version of the game on the 3ds but by then it was too late oh yeah um and that's what happened in the past the achievement of the week is in jackbox uh party pack 8 it's weapons drawn dead of night which is to play the game at midnight play weapons drawn at midnight and the game of the week i'm gonna give that to corpse party and uh, with that, Hex, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was awesome. It absolutely was. Where can we find you on the internet? So, 
biggest place you can find me is my Twitch, twitch.tv slash hex speedruns, all one word, the H and S are capital. You can also follow me on Twitter, same tag, hex speedruns, all lowercase, Instagram. Um, yeah, that's pretty much where you can find me. Um, awesome. It was awesome being on the podcast. Really enjoyed it. Thank you for the opportunity. And it was, it was just a blast. Of course. Uh, and of course you can find me over on, uh, Twitter, sorry, no, Instagram and Twitch at Tony's Game Lounge, twitch.tv slash Tony's Game Lounge and at Tony's Game Lounge on Instagram and at Radio Tony on Twitter. Uh, and, uh, if you want to see highlights of the podcast, we post, uh, five highlights every week on our Instagram, Twitter, and our TikTok at Tony's Game Lounge. Um, so you can see the best of segments of each of these episodes. And of course, uh, be sure to follow and like the podcast as, uh, and tell your friends, family, people about this, tell everybody about this because that's how podcasts live and die. If we're living, we've got so many episodes and we're going to keep doing this. Um, so listen, we'll be here till I'm 80. <laughs> nice. Uh, he'll, uh, I, I will break records for being the longest running podcast. Take that, Joe Rogan. You only have a couple of years you can left. Do it, Tony. I have my whole life ahead of me. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. Uh, with that, thank you again, Hex. It was an absolute blast. And thank you, the listener, for tuning in. We will be right here back next week in the Game Lounge. Thank you for listening to Tony's Game Lounge. New episodes release every Monday. Be sure to like and share the podcast and follow Tony on Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch for more updates. <laughs>